What's up, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls? It's your favorite show, Lessons Learned ATW. And today, we don't only have a special guest, but we have family. Today, we have somebody that I would consider my introducer to a lot of things, especially when it comes to music, hip-hop, and to mention but a few, but a lot of things, I would say. Today, we have somebody that I grew up with. Today, we have a rapper, an artist, a guitarist, a father, to mention but a few. Today, we have a member of the Bataba Z. Today, we have, ladies and gentlemen, PG, a.k.a. Mpaji. AKA, would you have any other AKAs? Oh, let's let's uh, just Piggy. let's just keep it with PG. Let's keep it as PG. <laughs> you remember Piggy Piggy Raz? Piggy Raz, yeah. Know? And I talked from, about from that in days. an earlier yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I talked about that. Uh, yeah. I think in my first on my first uh, episode, how I got introduced, but I got lost in that story because I forgot. I forgot <clears throat> whether I was was I you because you you made me do that, and um, was I. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is like a joke back. We are jogging back to what we talked about in the first episode. Uh, the first time I ever put anything, quote unquote, on wax was recording on a cassette tape with this man over here. And we were rapping to More Money, More Problems. Yeah, B.I.G. You know. <laughs> so, so who was, who was Puffy, who was Puffy and who was B Biggie? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, well, first First off, man, before I get to it, man, I just want to thank you for having me on the show, brother. Yeah. Hey? Um, and, you know, appreciate the introduction, man. You know, uh, uh, you know, I'm glad to just be, be in the presence of, 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 you know, of your show and be one of the first people on there. Uh, lessons learned, you know, because life is about lessons. That's it. Lessons, you know, and blessings. Um, so, yeah, what, what was the question? Again? I was saying, like, when we did that, and this, yeah. this, I don't know. It was like ninety-seven, ninety-eight, no ninety. Must have been, <clears throat> must have been like, it must have been like ninety-six, ninety-five, maybe. Um, more money, more. We're problem. about, we're yeah, kids. we're about like nine, nine years old. Yeah. We, we were, we were young, like we were young. Yeah. All, I know. All we listened to was, you know, hip hop, twenty-four-seven. I know, and, and you're the one who who, who came in. I, I, I said this in an earlier episode uh, with uh, A. Frost. I talked about he talked about going to his father's. His father was uh, a minister where he uh, a minister like church. I used to have a study yeah. room where he goes and practices his sermons and stuff like that. And he talked mm -hmm. about him going in there and recording on his father's little practice tape or uh, uh, tape recorder or whatever, which you know most people that talk in public record themselves just to work on their dictation and and yeah. how they you know sound and how they project and all that stuff um and yeah. he talked about that and i remembered and i i had to bring that story up of how when you came over to <laughs> to our house in nintendo and we were like chilling and then you're like hey let's record some stuff i don't know where that came <laughs> from out of nowhere and we recorded on some tapes my dad's tapes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we recorded over some like we dubbed over these tapes. <laughs> so tapes, like, yeah, so, and then we and, restructured and the days, whole run. Like, yeah, you know the tapes were like we didn't have a beat. That's the crazy thing. It's just like we were just you know it was it was a cappella, and we you know I don't even know where those tapes are or where that you know where that that tape um, would be right now, but. Some somewhere, some, you know, lost, lost in the sauce somewhere. But um, it was, you know, it was just young kids in Uganda just being hip hop heads. I'd say, I, you know, I, I agree, man. Look at us now, man, and and look at the the road, the journey that we took, and how that that exactly. journey started. You know, from uh, Big to, you know, and I talked about how I was at that time. I was so intrigued with. But before I was introduced to the infamous Mob Deep album, I, I said <laughs> Will Smith was my favorite rapper. To most people, that was corny, but to me yeah. at that time, I thought he was cool as hell because he was in the men. Uh, he was in the Men in Black uh, movie, 
he had yeah. put out just getting jiggy with it. And now that I got, you know, when I started getting into high school and everybody's like, yo, that shit's corny. <clears throat> and of course, but, but it was just, that's, that's my beginning. And I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed of it. But, you know, we all have our own inception. You know, we all have a starting point. And that was uh, my introduction was uh, Mob that, Deep. Mob Deep. And, and that's a weird dynamic. Mob Deep and Will Smith. <laughs> just a guy who doesn't cuss on a microphone and a person that is super, uh, super these two people that are super aggressive, you know, punch yeah. in your face, stab your brain, you stab your whatever with your, you know, I can see it inside your face, you're in the wrong place, guy would just you know, get your whole body laced up with bullet holes and such, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, official queens, oh, is official queens, murderers, yeah, they know such thing as halfway Wait, crooks. crooks. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, those were the guys, though. Stuff. those were the guys at the time, man. Um, Will Smith, you know, and I'm hearing that he's you know, he's getting back on, he's gonna hop on, um, join the Lucas's joint, yeah, you know, yeah. um, uh, the you know, title Will Smith that was an ode to Will Smith. Yeah. So so that's dope. But like I'd say, man, you know, even though Will Smith didn't cuss, like he had his time. Like he was one of the men of the time, one of the rappers of the time that summer, summer was, time, you know, yeah. making hit songs and making feel good music. You know what I mean? So he knew he didn't have to cuss. But like you know, at the same time, he he ain't come from like you know like the rugged New York lifestyle stuff. Like he yeah, he's from Philly, which is you know yeah. Yeah. also pretty pretty uh pretty aggressive area but like right. he decided to take that other route you yeah. know what i mean and there's nothing wrong with that because right. he made his hit songs and you know he still his songs still get played to this day like you hear summer summer summertime when yeah you man know, summertime is a classic yeah and you, you sound, know you sound cool, like a natural cool aphrodisiac yeah that's, mm-hmm. that cool and the gang uh sa- sample is ridiculous on that, the beginning, dun, 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 dun. that they used it in the Rocky, the Rocky movie, but I, I, I yeah. go way back with Will. Like I used to remember, parents don't just understand, or parents don't, yeah, parents don't just understand. I remember like being, and you guys were like, when I used to go to your house, you guys would watch the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like you had like movies on, you know, uh, we had tapes, yeah, we had VHS, tapes on VHS, tapes. VHS on VHS of like uh, uh, seasons of that. So uh, there's that, and there is, um, you know, when he had that song, but, you know, now that I look at the Tesla, I remember when I was a kid, he had a song called Just Just Cruising, ooh, baby, I don't care, as long as you take me there. <laughs> and then he had that it's car that was driving itself, man. and he, he, like, now you look at the Tesla, like, it's, it's ridiculous, man. And I was like into Will. I don't know why. Even even when people were dogging, this is like '99. Uh, Wild Wild West. I don't. I could not jig with the Wild Wild West. With mm. uh, Drew Hill, we going straight to the Wild Wild West. That's <laughs> with the Wild Wild, Wild, Wild West. What's the point of time? Yeah, man. That's when he kind of got weird for me. I was like, you know what? I like getting jiggy with it. I like Welcome to Miami, even though it's and the beat goes on. I I you know it was just. He, I mean, he progressively, as I got older, got to, it got to that point where I, I realized what he was doing, and he was a machine. Yeah. And then I think yeah. the last time I took a bow out to the Will Smith fan club was uh, just the two of us was cool. And then I was like, okay, I like just the two of us. He's singing about his son and him. That's, that's cool. I'm, I'm not messing with the rest. But. Anyway, moving I mean, on from. He did a lot of samples, though. Oh, yeah, you he know, did a and, lot. And you use a lot of samples in your music, too. Absolutely. Is, I think we all do. You know, I use Absolutely. I use samples as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, some of the previous Metabazi work, but yeah. Right. So if you've just tuned in and you're listening to uh, Lessons Learned, uh, we skipped a few things. Let's talk about Listening uh, and watching. I know, listening and watching. If you if you missed a few things, let's talk about PG's background. Let's talk about who PG is, and let's talk about his history. And by the way, we are working on two time zones right now. It's uh, C C S T right now. It's time check. It's about five a.m. in the morning, and over there in in Uganda time, what what's the time over there? It's, it's um thirteen seventeen hours, basically one one p.m. 1 p.m. in the afternoon on Saturday. So, we, yeah. so you see how we're trying to make this thing happen, you know? We got to make yeah. it happen, man, for the family. Um, So, PG, tell us about your history, your background, everything, man. 
Um, yeah, basically, you know, PG is basically, uh, uh, you know, Ugandan, uh, born, uh, professional, I guess, you know, I have a background in music, um, background, background in, um, music production, performance, and instrument, you know, instruments as well. I do play guitar and also, you know, acting. Um, I have starred in, you know, movies, um, namely Suburban Kings in 2011 and A Killer Serve in 2016. Um, you know, independent films that, you know, got their accolades in, in their respective um, kind of like capacities. Uh, and shout outs to Andrew Pilkington who wrote and directed both these movies. Um, you know, as well as my brother Senti, um, who, you know, co-directed one of the films. Um, um, you know, also recorded original soundtracks for these films. Um, I also have a clothing brand uh, called Street Costume. It's a streetwear clothing brand, you know, self-explanatory pretty much. And I am a founding member of the Afro-Hip-Hop music group Patabazi, which means nomads slash warriors in Luganda, a native, native language. Um, yeah, and then, you know, the rest is kind of just history, you know, um, education background. Um, I studied, I have a, a bachelor's, associate's degree in fashion merchandising and a bachelor's degree in management. Um, and, you know, and here we are. You know what I mean? And Mia Strap also, like you said earlier, we go way back, like, Museveni's hairline. <laughs> President Museveni. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um... <laughs> Oh, like LeBron's hairline, no, my bad. Like LeBron's. Hairline. I, mean, <laughs> but I think, think that's you know, he that brought his hairline bad, back. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so damn, we can't really. I guess we, we'd rather go with the seventies hairline. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah. So that's pretty much you know um, the rest is history, I guess, as they say. Yeah. So um, with um, all these different facets and this this different um, things that you've been privy to or you've been educated and you've been practicing or you've been working on from music to art to fashion uh you know to to, to acting so you're a thespian too so um what 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 was your initial who are your influencers who influenced you who made you believe that you could do all these things who who put a battery on your back with or with them not knowing that they did yeah um who motivates you or who motivated? Who motivates me, or who motivated me? I say, um, a lot of people. Uh, my mother, you know, was one of my biggest fans. Uh, God rest her soul. And you know, she always she was always in my pocket. She always told me you can do it. Anything I told her I was doing, she was like, yeah, do it, do it. You know what I mean? And you know, uh, she just her her resilient heart and you know drive just be successful from when we were growing up, you know, and you know her very well. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Knew her, but like, you know, I just always watched her and I, I just loved the fact that she never, kept, she never lost, um, you know, she never lost momentum. You know, she, she always went from one, you know, from one level to another and just kept going, kept going. You know, she, she was always motivated. She was always driven. And I just always emulated her and wanted to be the best, ver you know, a, the best version of her and, you know, just learn from everything she did, you know, lessons learned, basically learn from her mistakes and learn from her, uh, her accomplishments, you know, so that's one of the people that always motivated me. I remember being in the studio with her, like she would come to our studio in the basement, you, you remember the Batara studio, and she was like, you know, right there, like writing songs with me and like telling me you know, yeah, put this line in there. Like, this sounds real good. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, I remember me and, um, I just had like a dark, going through a dark time. Like me and my brother had just gotten arrested for some really dumb stuff on, you know, 5th of May. And my brother had been stabbed that day. My brother, you know, had been stabbed in the ear. And like, it was just like total BS because like, out of, you know, the whole situation, the people that, you know, should have been arrested weren't arrested. And instead the black man got arrested. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, other people of different colors except you know we were the ones who were arrested but like my mom was like i remember us coming out of you know being bailed out or whatever coming out of court and we're in the basement she's like you know what make a song about it you know make it so then by the way we sweet hopped on the mic and we did a freestyle about it 
You know what I mean? The um, Batuwalu last freestyle came out of that, and you know we just got any beat and just hopped on it. I remember Jerome going ham on it, uh, me going ham on it, the Batuwazi females as well going, you know. And the song was like a hit the next day, you know, like it was just like blazing like the UG radio stations and stuff like that. But it was, you know, heartfelt because it was coming out of you know. And my mom was one of the people that inspired that. You know what I mean? Um, another, you know, other people that inspired me. Uh, I say like Kanye is a big inspiration, aside from you know the BS <clears throat> and whatnot. You know, no one's perfect, but I've always looked at him and and like wondered how he came up with rhymes that he comes up with. You know what I mean? When he said that line, "I got a light skin friend look like Michael Jackson, got a dark skin friend look like Michael Jackson," I'm like whoa, <laughs> you know? Um, and just like you know him just wanting to achieve and believe in himself. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and you know, there's this book I'm reading by Tony Robbins uh, called nice. "Awaken the Giant Within," yeah. and you know, basically like, like it, it, it talks about you know, being certain, like being sure that you're you're gonna succeed in whatever you do, but only you can, you know, can be certain that you're gonna succeed. Like, if you if you if you have doubts, if mm-hmm. you have doubt in yourself, then you're you're gonna, you know, you're gonna fall short. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So the, the the book is basically just about being sure of self. Right. You know, it's really like looking into self, decision making, uh, belief systems. Um, you know, the the, the the language of success and all these things. You know, just changing mindsets. You know what I mean? Right. Like fixed mindset. Um, going from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, stuff like that. You know, I'm getting a little psychological, but um. You know, like, take it there so, on this podcast. Exactly. Uh, like that. They like that. They like yeah, that. Um, yeah. That yeah. thing. So that's, that's a book. That type of thinking. Yeah, that's a book that I think you know, a lot of people should you know read in their lifetime. Uh, it's like the second book he wrote. You know, it's, it's the second book that I'm reading by him. I wrote. I read another newer book by him, but this is a really old book from like the nineties, yeah. early nineties. Um, I'm also inspired by my brother Senti and like all you know, all my brothers that say. You know, Senti's always kind of like, you know, been um, like a, a father figure of source to me, um, you know, throughout high school, throughout throughout life, just in general. We always kind of like, we're going um, kind of like back to back. He was like two years older than me. And I was always, you know, kind of like following his move and following his lead. Except, you know, I, I used to DJ in high school. And I stopped DJing, and then he followed in my steps. That was, I, you know, that right. was a compliment to me. Like, you know, the same <laughs> like, you know, the best, the best form of flattery. So he's DJing now, and I haven't DJed since high school, and you know, um, that's like almost like 15 years ago or so. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, man. So I'm, I think I'm just inspired by a lot of people around me, you know. But I also sometimes have to seek inspiration from the outside, like you know what I mean, because. Um, you know, when I wanted to learn how to play guitar, no one in my family really played any instrument, um, like my immediate family. I know, you know, I got to learn that my grandfather played an instrument. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he was really good. He loved music. He liked new classical music and stuff. He actually taught me a bit of uh, piano, you know, but like, um, I saw a photo of him just like a, a week or two ago and he was holding a guitar. Like, right. you know, he was sitting playing the guitar. I'm like, wow, that's, you yeah. know. That, that says a lot, that explains a lot. So I always was fascinated by the guitar, even before I knew how to play it. You know what right. I mean? I would always just like want to, you know, play a guitar. And then I, I, I picked up a guitar, I, you know, learned, taught myself, you know what I mean? I know, man, that's that's super amazing. And, yeah, and, and it was, it's also empowering, you know, which is another thing that this book talks about, um, the Tony Robbins book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's empowering to, do music because music is a sort of like relief from you know whatever you might be going through and when you do the music other people are you know you never know who you're gonna touch mm-hmm. with this one song with just you know a melody with a line mm-hmm. two lines like you know a hook right. so playing an instrument me learning how to play an instrument was just empowering to me mm-hmm. and not just empowering to me but I think I think I think it also inspired other people to, you know, pick up and learn how to play instruments. Because my little brother also picked up the guitar at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know he started playing like he likes to play electric guitars and for me i prefer uh, acoustic but i do have a, you know i have both acoustic and electric you know but like there's this empowerment that creating gives you creating music mm. you know creating um sound mm. you know what i mean um and just playing around with these sounds and seeing what comes out you know mm. that's why people people a lot of people don't get to see like the creative process of like production and you know like when you're in the studio and stuff before you, your music comes out people don't really see it like that you know what i mean so when when someone kind of like critiques your music like the negative way <laughs> it's kind of like it's it's like you know it it it, it, it hits it stings, hard like, it stings, you know? yeah it, it stings. stings like uh like tech nine said in that song um no it's tech nine um no who's that guy from from Kansas um, yeah tech nine that's tech nine. tech nine no. and and, and tech nine uh, and Kendrick fragile no, yeah fragile right it is tech nine it was like yep yeah i'm an artist and i'm sensitive about my shit you yeah. know what i mean famous quote by erica badu yep I'm an artist. Yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't even know that line came from Erica, but I didn't yep. until after the fact. But like, yeah. you know, you put in a lot of work. Right. You're you're empowered. Like you're you're risking being ridiculed or being, um, you know, criticized for for you know for your art. Right. Just so you can put it out to the masses. Like, hey, here you go. You know. Yep. And when 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 they really like tear it apart, it it, it hurts. You know. I mean. Hey, young Ace. My little, my little man over here. Hey, young Ace, how you doing? Want to do exercise. <laughs> you want, you want huh? to do exercise? I got you, yeah, I got you your dad for like a few more minutes. It, it don't I know, do right? Exercise with me. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do exercise in a bit. All right, son. But yeah, <laughs> this is little PG, man. Um, yeah. You know, Ace, Ace Boogie is my Ace. What's um, up, Ace? Wave. <laughs> So um yeah, you were, yeah, you were yeah. saying um something to the core yeah. of um you know being an artist and how you recently found out this is what stuck with me the most with every, I mean I listened to everything you said and I was agreeing with all of it but what I could like absolutely grab onto with what you said was when you talk about your grandfather being a musician and you recently finding out that by maybe you so I mean you knew you knew he was a musician prior I knew he was a musician I but just didn't know he played guitar, played guitar as well. okay yeah. all right man funny story um my mom told me my granddad that I'd never met because he passed away uh in 86 before I was born played an yeah. instrument so I didn't know I didn't know I, I prior to <clears throat> prior to me finding out this information about my granddad my mom's dad on that on that yeah. side uh Yeah. did music and played yeah. instruments wow. um i wow. i literally was the only person in my family doing music you know you know my family right they're all into like yeah. education and other stuff and you know yep. just the normal you know civilian normal life just just work exactly you know exactly just, you know work 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 just work work yeah. hard work you know take care of your family type of thing so i i yeah. we know and then maybe sports we have some some athletes in the family but I never knew anyone that took the artist route because there was just this thing family, yeah. in my family where it, it wasn't said in a bad way. It wasn't, yeah. it was, but it was an insinuation of energy where we kind of looked down upon artists because they were like either struggling, which is not bad because that's the name of an artist. You know, that's, that's yeah. the, the whole title, struggling artist. The yeah. They call you a struggling artist is not a term that just came out of nowhere. It's always been like yeah. artist usually stagger with the word struggling right so like coming from the, the the household that i came from and with my surrounding relatives um having doctors lawyers having all these type of people in the family mm. you know them these type of people like you tell them yo what you gonna do i want to um i just want to be i want to make music <laughs> you're your cousin over there <laughs> i want to become a brain sergeant i want to become a lawyer over i want to be a doctor yeah. I want to become this. I want to become that. I want to become a pilot. I want to become this. What does yeah, this guy yeah. want to be? I want to write raps. And you don't know where to start from. Yeah, because <laughs> first of all, <laughs> none of my parents listen to hip hop. You know, none yeah, of them exactly. listen to hip hop. So they don't even understand what <laughs> you're saying. 
at least if you were doing like a frigo type of music like you know like some 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 classic stuff or like some <clears throat> some, some r&b or something that they could relate to but i mean anyway just pulling from that i didn't know that there was somebody that was there but nobody ever told me, to. Boy, mom told me. yeah exactly yeah but um pulling back um so that's, you've worked you've been making music for about 15 years now about oh, so. uh let's see i first stepped in the studio well i've always wanted you know i've always like since we were recording you know yeah. on those biggie i mean tapes. if you say that then it's almost like 20 something years <laughs> exactly so i've always i've always wanted to perform like i remember just you know in, in school like being a kid who wanted to get on stage or get in front of everyone and perform yeah. So, but like when I started actually like writing songs or getting in the studio, it was about uh, 2006, maybe I want to say. Oh yeah, that's like, um, that's like so that would be years. like yeah, about 14 years, 14, 14 years. 15. Yeah, right. so I'll say that's about exactly. That's about the same time I started doing it. Um, I, I started cr- tinkering with music around 2004, 2005. Yeah. Uh, but I never really told anyone I was doing it. I was just doing it, uh, recording here and there. Um, and exactly. then, and then when I moved out here in the states, I was recording in my dorm room, which I don't consider professional because <laughs> we're using horrible equipment. Um, but what software were you using? <laughs> gosh, I think we were using a, a garage. No, no, not garage band. We were using Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops. Yeah, we're using a beat making program. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're using FL Studio, and um, I was recording with a horrible USB microphone. And yeah, you probably have maybe one of my earlier recordings from back then. I don't know. I was recording, no structuring. Uh, I didn't know how. I mean, I was still make. I used to make music in UG, but I didn't have any structuring. I had nobody telling me how to count bars, and yeah. I was just doing one long rhyme with no hook nothing just no musical structure <laughs> <laughs> not knowing yeah, when the beat no starts arranging. to change where the drums yeah. fall off where it's reminding you oh this is a bridge or this is a hook i didn't care about that i was just talking over that and then you know as time goes on you know you you start to polish up and you start to improve because because that's how it, it naturally should be you should not stay the same um the reason why i asked how long you've been doing music um yeah. You've been doing music for 14 years. Yeah. Um, alongside music, you've always had, oh, that I know, um, maybe you could correct me, you've always had this big, big, huge passion, passion for uh, fashion and design. And that's what you went and actually took, went in school for. Uh, yeah. With that and merchandising and, and putting, and, and I think marketing? Did you do marketing or management? Marketing, yeah, pretty much. So I did, mag- I did, I did management, but... Um... You know, marketing is also part of it. Yeah. Um, product management mm. and like the history of, of fashion as well, which yeah. you know looks into how people got to start wearing clothes. Like mm. you know, from like the days when people used to wear these like uh, turbans on, on their head, mm. and you know, and like you know what babies' clothing were and stuff like that. You go way back into like the early 19th, 20th century to like the two thousands. Mm. Um, so all that was pretty much, you know, all that was pretty much what, um, like, like what it entailed or what the whole four years entailed. Right. And actually one of the, the, the interesting things about like that degree when, um, in my freshman year, freshman, uh, or sophomore year, we had, a, had a field trip to New York, yeah. um, from Boston to, um, to Chelsea, New York, where Tommy Hilfiger's um, headquarters are. Oh wow! And we we got access to his corporate closet. Oh wow! Um, yeah, we, we we got into the whole building. We got to see like clothes that hadn't come out like the next you know trend next season clothing and stuff like that. Uh, and then in his corporate closet, it's like a whole plethora of like you know clothes that were worn by all these celebrities that were doing campaigns for him. Oh, that's from Danny Kravitz to um, Beyonce, um, Michael Jackson. You know all these celebrities he worked with, and like that wore his clothes in the magazines, uh, Tyra Banks and everything. All the clothes were in the closet, basically. Like you know, 
and it was just amazing. Like it was, it was like, it was like the most. I think one of the one of the the, the, the pivotal moments in my my college career, where I was like, man, like I want to be the next Tommy Hilfiger. I don't care if he's racist or not, or he doesn't want black people wearing his clothes. I, I like, think that was a con. Uh, what that could do? Maybe some <clears throat> made up stuff, apparently. But I don't know if it, if he actually said. I mean, I remember that in the nineties. I mean, he said that I think on it, they said he said it on Oprah. Or something. He, he said it on Oprah. I put it this way, right? Uh, everything we wear, you know, Adidas. You know, you got an Adidas yeah. hat on yeah. now. Yeah, um, you don't know what the background of Adidas. Oh, really, I really you know. know. Adidas was, uh, um, you know, what? Well, yeah, it's, he was, uh, he, he was, um, uh, a Nazi. Their brothers, Nazi? yeah, wasn't he a they're, Nazi? They're like, yeah. you know, German, 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 yeah. Adi, it's, it's, it's like two names together, Adi yeah. and Dot. That, yeah, and they own Puma uh, too, right? Yeah, no. they do own yeah, Puma think, as well. I think they own, yeah, like it's, it's so basically, no, they won't, they own Reebok, so Adidas like merged with, yeah, Reebok. one or yeah, maybe one of them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and. You know, funny enough, one of my first interviews out of college was with um, was with the Reebok headquarters in Boston. You know, and so they gave me like a little history and everything. But like, so basically, you know, I think you know I'm not defending what Tommy Hilfiger said because you know he did say he felt that way, but you know, his he gets sales. He gets money from black people wearing his clothes. Like his clothes are sold at TJ Maxx, you right. know. And then he also, you know what I mean? Like how many black people shop at, at stores like TJ Maxx or Marshalls right. and stuff? You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I feel like you know, I still, I still like his business acumen, like how he came from you know working in the factory to now owning his own, you know, clothing brand. You know. Got it. Yeah. Um. And if he doesn't want black people wearing his clothes, that's his problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you make something nice, black people are going to wear it. Right. You know? Um, but I think we as black people as well, as, as like, you know, a, a people, we need to also start making our own stuff or, like, being, you know, being more, taking more ownership, you know? Right. Because then we don't have to worry about, oh, you know, I'm wearing Tommy Hilfiger's clothes, but he doesn't want me wearing it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. He could be like, oh, I'm wearing my stuff. I'm wearing, you know, I'm wearing straps. I'm wearing, you know, PG or I'm wearing street, street costume, you know? But, um, yeah, so it, it really just made me really want to, you know, achieve, like, you know, to, to build a brand and to, uh, like, be, like, the next Ralph Lauren, the next, you know, uh, FUBU, um, you know, I forget the name of the guy who owns Google. Damon uh, something. Da yeah, Damon. Yeah, something. I forgot. His but name, like, bro. yeah, I know, I know. You know, and like, I mean, you know, Rockaway, all these clan chops. We used to wear all these designers. Yeah. Up, you know, and these these were black companies that, you right. know, that were really popular when we were kids, like um, Kyle Candy. Kyle Kanai. Yep. You're right, but like, Tommy is is also one of those brands that has been there. Like, you right. know, like when we went to his corporate closet, he had Tyra Banks modeling his stuff. He had Beyonce modeling his stuff. Michael Jackson, these are all, you know, people he's made money off of. And they're also very influential people because people see it, saw them wearing his, his denim jackets or whatever, and then they yeah. they wanted to wear it. I remember, I remember as a kid, like, even a lot of, like, quote-unquote streetwear or uh, urbanwear was, like, dope. I remember I did anything for a, a Sean John Velour sweatsuit. Yeah. I remember those. I remember that. I and remember I remember those. when Uganda was, like, that. super hot. But people were wearing... Hot, but you were like, yo, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> You Velour Sean John <laughs> Exactly. Sweatsuit. You don't even worry they about just the, have the fabric. Pants zipped don't, up. Don't. Yeah. You, know, you get the famous but, Sean John signature on, like... Yeah, exactly. Straight. But you you mentioned street style, right? And that's why <laughs> I decided to name my brand Street Costume. Yeah. Because um, one of the classes I took in undergrad, you know, at, at, um, in college was a class called History of Costume, which is which translates into History of Fashion. But like, costume is what you always like feel comfortable wearing, right. or what you like you'll always be seen in. If you decided. If someone was to draw like a caricature of Steve Jobs, 
Right. What he would be wearing is what Turn he always in. wore or what he wore on a regular basis. Exactly. Black so you would identify him by that. Yeah. That was his costume, right? Um, same thing with, let's say, mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg. That's think his right costume. Um, yeah. You know, and like, you know, think about cartoon characters. Diddy, uh, I mean, Dexter's Laboratory, you know, these guys right. all had their costume, right? Right. And it's something interesting about costume and costume design, like, because you know, part of that class, aside from like learning the history of clothing from the 20th century to 2000, right? Um, we had to watch these old movies, and we had to like, uh, we had to dissipate what clothing was worn in the time, like, and what it all meant, right? Yeah. So think about this, like, this is gonna change how you watch movies from now on, right? Like, there's a certain type of costume that someone who is in a higher position is going to wear like in, you know in society right mm -hmm. in a movie or in like whatever you're watching right that's there's a certain status that comes with wearing clothes like that costume is like the costume of someone who that's what separates oh are you lower class or are you upper class like where you are absolutely yeah. you know and that's why people want especially in the hood they want to dress like they're not you know poor or they're not from a poor background and stuff like we want to forget you know what i mean that right. you know we're, we're on food stamps or whatever yeah. and then dress like we're you know making billions of dollars or a million you know a year or whatever right. Right. because we, we want to have that costume like we're an upper yeah you know we're we're, we're upper class or whatever can i can like i superstars. take can i take mm -hmm. your statement and also add like just a philosophy to it like i mean i mean it, there's already a lot of philosophy into it that you're saying mm. about mm. the idea the ideology of uh how costume or clothing gives us self-esteem it, yeah. it, it boosts your confidence it's like it your, before yeah. you wear whatever mm. you're wearing you feel like insecure and once you put on that garment you become this superhero you know you now like superman from clark kent who's wearing a tie who's weak whatever and now he's with the blue and red with the superman logo right now this strong dude that, right oh that's why it's a costume exactly yeah, right i mean the idea <laughs> it makes you like what you what you got on right now it's like a dashiki hoodie right <laughs> yeah but that's your costume like right, yeah, you, right, right. you woke up and felt like yo this is the mode i'm in today this is right. me Right, this I'm about costume. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so same I, thing with me. I feel like I'm a patriot today. Like, um, you know, I'm a rep New England with the hat and the shirt. Right. This is gonna be my costume today. It's the same way so kids. Like, some way kids in the '90s were running to Foot Locker or Finish Line or any any sports shop, store to get Jordans, making lines to get Jordans because they believed if they put on these shoes, they could jump. Like Eric Jordan, like, like Jumpman. Exactly. You know, everybody wanted to be like Mike. It's the costume. It's the garment. I mean, so with that being said, there has to be a story that has to be embedded in the clothing. There has to be a story. You just don't make a, a fabric. You don't make something dope. You have to sell dope. I mean, and I'm sorry if I'm speaking in abstraction. People listening, I'm saying yeah. if you just sit down and start to sew something together, start to seam something together, and, and stitch something together, it doesn't become dope unless it's on someone who's dope. And then yep. that builds a story on the on the garment. And yep. that's why some of these brands like Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, uh, they have stories because famous or not, people that are looked at as superheroes put these things on and they're already yep kind of like endorsed them and then gave these things superpowers so when you're going out there to purchase them you think you're getting a little bit of that superhero dna you're purchasing yeah. it because you know you saw how this person rocked it or and, and you know that's crazy i never thought about that type of philosophy when when it comes to picking up something that i need to wear i just yeah. may and i wouldn't say i'm a hype hype beats yeah uh, where I just buy the most popular thing. If the Jordan yeah. 11s are coming out, everybody's getting it. Like, I got to get it too. I don't want to be left out yeah. or whatever. But I'm never that because ever since I turned like 30, I've been I've been living by a theory called open to anything, attached to nothing. Where I can, mm. I can, um, my great, 
I, I have, I feel like ever since I turned 30, I have had the strongest control over myself. Strongest control over myself, meaning that there's nothing no one can hold hostage over me. Yeah. Meaning that I, I can get my, my most valuable item and give it out for free and not feel mm. any way about that. And not feel like, man, I can, if I'm giving charity out, I'll get my old shoes or my old clothes. No, I'll give you my new stuff that I spend the most money because I don't want that to hold me hostage. The only thing that maybe mm. now that can hold me hostage is because I've joined this new club, which is parenthood. And that would, if you have my kid and you're doing stuff, you know, if, if anything, if I hope this never happens with my child's mom or, you know, where you disagree and they hold, they use the kid to make you do stuff like a pawn to make you do stuff, make, <clears throat> like a piece to make you do stuff. They that's, hold, yeah. yeah. That's the only thing that I feel I'm attached to. But besides that, the house that we bought, the house, um, cars, you could take everything because you know what? Coming from UG, as yeah, you know, stuff. yeah, I know what it you is starting had. from scratch. I know what it is starting yeah. from scratch, and I'm not afraid of it. I'm yeah. absolutely a hundred percent not afraid of it. Other people, it's very, it's very, it's very scary. Like you, you just left New England and then you went to UG to start a whole new life after 20 years of being away. Yeah, that's scary. That's oh some. God. That yeah. takes some. <laughs> takes some nuts. Forgive my language. It takes some. <laughs> takes some kahunas like you just up and you know and that's being attached to nothing like you cannot be attached to new england like that like i mean you can you can't miss it but you realize you know what if i make if i make myself attached to things i mean i have to make myself attached to my daughter because i just don't know it's just a natural thing you have to be attached to the person that you love your wife you know you, you know the person that you you have long-term commitment with Parent, uh, parents, family, brother. Yeah, that's that I understand. But material stuff, right? Which I think if you want to become an icon, if you want to become a Michael Jordan, the story has to start with you. So anything that you wear automatically gets a little bit of your DNA. So somebody would mm. want to wear that because if I get a P, uh, Mpaji's brand, I put it on me, guess what? First of all, I got inspired because Mpaji's a dope designer. Now I wear it. Now I feel like I have a, a lot on me that I'm attached to nothing. Mm. That people mm. now want to get that persona. They want to, and it's not something that you just tell people that you are attached to nothing. People just could feel like, okay, man, I really cannot use this angle to trick him into a contract because this guy will say, I don't care. You know, F you, I don't care. You know, people will throw contracts at you. So when you have that, um, I don't know how I'm articulating this right. If you have that, I don't say rogue or like that uh, mentality where you cannot compromise me. You know, you cannot mm. use money, fling, wave money. You cannot wave money over my head and and make me sign something that I, I don't feel like. You know, you there's nothing you could do. I have to do it off my wanting to do it. You cannot mm. use anything as a chess piece on me. You cannot, and that's the person who becomes an icon. That's the person that changes fabrics. Like now, if that person has that mentality, it starts brewing in his mind and it goes into his DNA, it goes into your action. It goes in him or her, whoever she, whoever that person is. And they start yeah. to live that lifestyle. Things just naturally come to you. You'll find yourself getting things that just make sense to you and your peace mm. and your fulfillment. And then guess what? Because we live in a, a world where it's a copycat type of world where people want to copy, people want to follow. They see you in tranquility. Mm -hmm. They see you in peace. They want to ask you, so what's making your skin glow? Or what's making you so at peace? And you tell them the real things because I know I'm attached to nothing. I could die today. I don't feel like, you know, this Mercedes Benz is my, my end all be all, you know. I don't think this is, you know. And they're like, how, how do you do that? It's just easy. Just it's hard in the beginning, but it's easy as you get old. You just start to look at the, your parents, first of all. You look at your grandparents, see how they start to uh, de de like, like start to age. Uh, you look at um, your, your child, how they start to age. And you realize, you know, we are just passes by in this world. And, and that idea, I know it may sound morbid the way we say it, but that ideology of thinking will make somebody an icon without them saying it 
just through their actions and then you'll be you'll get a michael jordan where everybody just wants to buy everything he touches because they want to get a little bit of that they think it's material that is getting him to think like that but it's other things it's all in the mind and i don't yeah, know it's the mindset it's the drive yeah, yeah. And, and you can't you can't really i'm sounding like people listening I, i'm i know i sound crazy when i say all this stuff i sound like i'm speaking in parables like jesus i sound <laughs> like in the bible right i know I'm, i sound like i'm speaking in abstraction but there is some sense to it if you actually listen um moving forward for my my by blubbering <laughs> you're right <laughs> <laughs> but no i feel what you're saying because um uh you, you 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 know you call it emotional attachment you know which is yeah, so many people suffer from it. So many people suffer from emotional attachment. I can tell you, I was one of those kids who, throughout high school, I just wanted to have Jordan. You know, I, I wanted to have every Jordan ever, ever, ever made, but I didn't have the money for it, right? right. You know, being, you know, immigrant kid in the, in the U.S., like, really no job. Right. Uh, the first job was at Home Depot, uh, like, towards the end of my high school, whatever. But like I didn't have no job from like you know freshman year, and like I was just mooching off like whatever my mom could give me as allowance, and she had three other my other siblings, you know, she had four boys, right, to to, to give allowance to her, like to put food in our plates and roof over our, he our heads. But I wanted to be cool. I've always wanted to you know have the freshest sneakers, the freshest clothes or whatever. And I had a, I had this emotional attachment, like you say, to Jordans. Until I came, I graduated high school, and then I got to realize I don't want to wear what everyone's wearing, mm -hmm. you know. So when I started college, like I had this, I remember the last pair of Jordans I bought were these Crimson Jordans. I think Crimson Eleven, because mm -hmm. they came out on my birthday. My birthday is on the twenty third, mm -hmm. and that's my favorite number is twenty three. Um, so February twenty third of you know whatever year that was, the, the Crimson Jordans came out. And I had them joints, man. Like I, I was like, these joints were fire. Like I love the color and everything. So when I started college, you know, I'm I'm going to school with my Jordans. I'm feeling like, yo, I'm the only one. I want to be the only one wearing these, but that's impossible because other kids had Jordans. So I basically like stopped wearing Jordans, period. <laughs> like, you know, I just released my emotional attachment to Jordans. You know what I mean? Because I was like, man, how freeing was that? You know, they're too common. It was it was very it was very liberating, very liberating. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because I felt like you know what, I don't have to be attached to these, you know, to 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 these these sneakers that you know yeah they're legendary that we can never take you know right. the legend of Jordan away, you know what he's contributed to the culture and I actually just watched his documentary with, with my wife, right? But like, um, he can have that legend, but I. I want to be, if I want to be like Jordan, I have to also create my own legend, right. create my own legacy, create right. my own story. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that people can, can also like look at it and be like, yeah, I see what he's doing and I admire it. You know what I mean? But if I'm kind of like dressed in wearing Jordans like every other kid in school right? or, you know, every other person in society, like, like. I'm not gonna that that's not how I want to build my legacy or to you know to be to be to build my legend you know what I mean so right now like I'm okay with wearing you know just some sneakers like I, I have this thing for like um shoes that have a worn effect sneakers that have a worn effect and you know they're, <laughs> yeah. not, they're not so common like they look dirty from yeah. from when they're fresh out of the box and yeah I, and I like that I love it yeah like you can wear them and people be like yo where'd you get those or People could not even notice them, which is okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah, so this is it's deep, you know, emotional attachment is very deep, right. and freeing right. yourself from that, oh, you know, man. belief system is it's very liberating. And even just coming from America, you know, moving back to Uganda after like you know close to twenty years away, I had to release so many things that I was emotionally attached to, you know. Oh yeah. Um. And just being here, quarantined, you know, lockdown, whatever, for like almost two months. How is that? Uh, that I, I want to know how that. That's a good, bro, good segue. Like, how is quarantine? Bro, I, I haven't worn. Contact. I haven't worn shoes in like 
two months. Like I've been wearing flip flops. <laughs> That's how quarantine in Uganda is. You know what I mean? I haven't had to wear shoes. But but like, your bro. quarantine is a little different from everyone that is living in in the. I mean, not everyone. I mean, most of the people that I know that are living in the states in in a small little apartment, and they they have very little grass to see outside. Maybe they have everything yeah. is pavement, concrete. They don't get to see trees. Yeah. They don't get to, yeah. you know, they don't get breathe too much. I mean, it, it's really, um, and I'm just basing it off you. I know people in Uganda. There are people living in apartments or flats yeah, yeah, or Uganda, like yeah. you know, confined places where it's just yeah. man, it's just you and your room and your kitchen over there. Claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, it's just and and imagine if you have like three other people living with you in that type of situation and you guys are just clashing heads. <laughs> like here in America, there's a there's been a spike. Um, with which is sad to say domestic violence uh, wow. been, yeah yeah because that's um, happening in Uganda a bit as well i hear that there's a spike with um uh, that that you know how how long divorces take uh, people are, are filing for divorce now because mm-hmm. they just they spending time with happen. your spend, spending time in powerful. that small little space like if you lay, living in that one bedroom apartment with your girl you never get a breather. You can't even go outside. I'm going to the bar. I'm going to, you know, I'm going, I'm going to move up yeah. uh, John's house. You or, can't make any, you can't make an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I got to work. Yeah. The only no time, only time I got to go have, to the bar, the bar is closed. I got to go to the restaurant. The only yeah. time you get to decompress, if you have any kids, the only time you get to decompress is when you go to the bathroom to, to <laughs> <laughs> you like, yeah, man, finally by myself, it's, man. It's <sighs> wild. Yeah, it's wild. It's I love my nah, kids, huh? but man, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you start to, you start to. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you. The reason why I was asking how your quarantining is going because every time I look at your social media, bro, the background looks amazing, man. I look at the trees, I look at nature, I look at this dude working out in the balcony, and it's just, it's just like, you like around a mountain, or right so, here. Yeah, we're basically we're on a hill right now. Um, it's like a country home, um, you know. For like my wife's grandparents, yeah. um, and um, where you know it's it, it, it was kind of coincidental that we drove out here. It's about four hours from town, from from you know from the, the city. <clears throat> uh, so we drove out here before the lockdown, like the right when you know they mentioned that there was a corona outbreak in Uganda, and then they started closing schools and stuff. Like that weekend. We were like, okay, you know, let's get ready to, to you know, to head out to, to the country. And so um, we're in Hoima, which is Western Uganda. But like, um, we left on like that Tuesday before, you know, they decided there was going to be a quarantine, a lockdown. So we just thought we we're coming for like two weeks. Now it's been like seven weeks going on to eight. You know what I mean? And this place is just like, it's, a, it's, it's very like spread out luckily so like we can quarantine ourselves and still be able to like you know walk down to like the farm and you know walk up and down the hill like i i, I run i've been running up and down the hill like every day this week yeah um you know that's how i start my mornings i, I do i jog down the hill to like where the farm you know the cows are at and then i jog back up and then that's my warm-up then i start my workout um so it's it's, it's a very vast land it's got like you know um there's like nature like it's antelopes like on the property it's, you just find them running around then there's like monkeys you know oh, <laughs> yeah so it's it's, it's it's like it's amazing you know it, it, it's you know it's very close like to just like being seren- like in serenity and just peaceful. you know clearing your head yeah and yeah peaceful so i've been that's why i've been able to do a lot of reading i've been able to um kind of just you know get some peace and relax and you know and it, it you know it, it's not um as confined as it would have been in the city um where you know it's just like there's a gate and closed off it's like right. you know uh this is like it's, it's a very vast area where we're at and um yeah man it's it's it, you know it, it, it's a blessing it's, it's, i guess you know it's been a blessing in this guy yeah um but yeah yeah i mean that's going good that's 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 pretty cool like it's it's wonderful that you're in this peaceful tranquility you know looking like area where it's just you know if you wanted to meditate you could meditate 
if you wanted to be just awake just uh, that's my type of area i'm a person that i get drained being around a lot of people <laughs> i mean i need to be around yeah. um people i care about so um mm-hmm. talking about um uh, quarantining i mean we all have um our own little program you said you you jog you work out yeah. uh besides that have you been working on like a, a skill or something um <clears throat> so i'm you know i've actually been i brought my camera with me i have like you know like my professional camera so i've been i've been kind of like taking some pictures you know nice. like the first day we got here man i was just like yeah you know i'm gonna just take as many pictures as, as i can of the cows of, of like the the view because it's like this is you know this used to be called like military hill before Tasha's granddad bought you know bought the right. place but um so um you can overlook the whole like this, this you know the whole city pretty much like of the, of the town we're in you know mm-hmm. the countryside and so the views are just amazing so i've, I've been taking up photography which you know it's something i dabbled in in college um yeah. you know because uh journalism is part of kind of like and all these things but um so yeah i guess i've been working on like a bit of photography and i'm also like trying to like you know get like my youtube channel you know up and running like absolutely give us some love like yeah like yeah. i have a youtube channel uh, like, just having, like, put, put that plug-in in there man talk, talk about it how, how, how do we get to your youtube channel your social media and all that stuff. Uh, my YouTube channel is, is so it's, it's um, all right. So my YouTube is youtube.com slash project around as you see the name right there. Um, if you can, if, if, if your viewers can see it. So M P A G I K I R O N D E. And then, um, my, my IG is the kid PG D A K I D P G. Um, you know, like Strap said in the beginning, I do have a few aliases. Yeah. Um, PG, uh piggy um so my youtube i believe is is <clears throat> mpagi kirande paji kirande so if you okay. just go on youtube and just put those you know that first and last name in you find my channel um and and you know yeah that's pretty much all i have is instagram um you know my youtube channel and my uh my facebook fan pages my first and last name paji kirande uh, let's close this out um, yes, with this seg- this piece or this segment. Um, I usually ask all my guests to close this out the right way. So let's close it out like this. I'm Pudgy. PG. Yeah. What are your lessons learned or what lessons learned thus far do you want to share with the audience or the viewership? Word. Give, give us some um, game. Some game. <laughs> Give us some Okay, let me um, as we close let me, this off. Let me see. Um, <clears throat> all right, here's one. Um, here's one for y'all. One jewel. Experience is not what happens to a man or a person. It is what a person or a man does with what happens to him. Mm. You know. Um, so let that sink in. Um, I'm still letting it marinate it. I'm like, mm. that's. <laughs> you know <sighs> that that was that was that's, heavy yeah that's, that that's from nice. this book nice. i was reading um nice. the, the, the author is aldous huxley mm-hmm. i'm saying it right and then I, i'll give you all one more and this was okay. from pastor td jakes you know um okay. you know, someone I, I really he has like, a game like, listen to he got a mad game he said you never get to be a master of your life because right. the courses keep changing right pastor td jakes you never get to be a master of your life because the courses, courses keep, keep changing. changing. Shout out to TG Jakes, man. TG T TD Jakes, beast. He's a beast at, at like what he does, man. Like he grabs you your attention. <laughs> That's good at Jakes. Audience, he's good yeah. at audience control, and I mean, I'm not yeah. just going. Just, just he's he's always amazing. All right, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we've come to an, um, another conclusion to an episode with an awesome guest. Um, I would like to thank my official, unofficial sponsor, Essential Water. <laughs> they don't know that they're my sponsor, but they are my sponsor because 
Mandem, he drank it. Uh, drunk, drank it, and uh, Mandem uh, has them. Mandem has them as uh, a. Uh, should I say this on? I could say this on the podcast. Yeah, I do own a few stock in the company. Oh man! <laughs> like, I, I might as well. I might as well promote it so people go get it. Right? So, help me during this quarantine time. Help me because if I don't have a job, I may be relying on my portfolio. Like you said, drinking water oh, staying replenished. <laughs> yeah, drinking water, alkaline water. There we stay go. Staying replenished. Staying replenished. That's the goal of the what? That's the goal of the summer, and it's coming up. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm concluding this. Thank you for tuning in to Pudgy PG here on Lessons Learned with your host, Strap, and we are out. I appreciate you guys for tuning yeah. in.